open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of, of Psalm, Psalm 42. Now, since I have seen you last, Miss Judy and I went up to High Springs, Florida to do a wedding for a young lady. The family used to come to our church, and her dad now pastors up in High Springs. And an unusual thing happened. I've been doing weddings for a number of years, but I've never in any wedding I've ever done had this to happen. Uh, when they came down the aisle, the groomsmen were here, the bridesmaids were here, and I said, we need to take care of something before we start. This young lady, when she was 14 years old, she was in her 20s at this time. When she was 14 years old, her dad gave her a purity ring. And she wore that purity ring and kept herself pure for all of those years. And she said, today, I want to give it back to my dad. And she wrote a song about the purity ring. And her sister sang it. It really set a tone for that wedding. Now, you heard about the young lady. She called her pastor, and she was just sobbing, boo-hooing, just sobbing. And he said, Joanne, calm down. What's the problem? She said, oh, pastor, Roy and I just had our first argument. It's terrible. It's awful. He said, well, Joanne, just calm down. Calm down. Everybody has to have their first arguments. It's all just part of the process. She said, I know, pastor, but what do I do with the body? Well, he may want to direct her to somebody else, like a mortician. And you heard about this guy. He went to this seminar, and he said, men are be, it to be in charge. And he said, men, you need to take charge of your home. So he got to thinking about that, and he said, well, that's what I'm going to do. So he goes home, and he said uh, to his wife, look, from now on, things are going to be different around here. Whatever I say goes, and what I tell you to do, you're going to do, and uh, you're going to fix me a great meal, and you're going to give me a little massage and foot massage before I go to bed at night, and then when I get up in the morning, you're going to have me a nice breakfast, and you're going to dress me, and, and uh, who do you think is going to comb my hair? She said, probably the mortician. <laughs> now, if you're going to get married, it's not like that at all. It's, where you need to call a, a mortician. In, in Psalm 42, uh, if you were to look at my Bible, I've been in Psalm 42 before, and this is a great chapter, and there's some things in this psalm that I hope will be a blessing to you. Actually, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are very similar, and there's a connector, and so there's only 16 verses. Let me read those to you. Psalm 42 as the heart panted after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. May I just remind you to look for how many times he talks about God in these two chapters. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his 
his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The next chapter, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and in thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Here's a good man, David, who actually really was at a downtime in his life. And what happened? May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Dear Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that you've given people that we can sing and have our hearts encouraged and, and uh, even teach one another with the truth of those songs. But thank you for the word of God. And I pray that you would bless this time together. Have your way, Lord, in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. I came across something some time ago called a psalm in a hotel room. I'm alone, Lord, alone. A thousand miles from home, there's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. No one to eat dinner with, laugh at my jokes. Listen to my gripes. Be happy with me about what happened today and say, that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and slush in the street outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself. And I have plenty of reason. Maybe I ought to say, I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord. Things are great. But they're not. Tonight. It's all gray slush. The guy who wrote that was a Baptist preacher from yesteryear. Now, he got over that, as most of the times we do. One of the more famous leaders of the United States of America, the 16th president, said this. If what I feel were equally distributed by the whole human family, there would not be, only, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better. And the person who said that was Abraham Lincoln. Charles Spurgeon said, I would not want anybody in the world to be as depressed as I get sometimes. But he got over those, as did Abraham Lincoln, as did the psalmist. But uh, there are some ways that you can help yourself Get over that. The thing that interested me about this psalm, 
Uh, he says to us in verse 5, and this is worth making some mental note of or you want to color code your Bible. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? This is a, a down time in the life of, we're talking about David. The Bible calls him the man after God's heart. King of Israel, slayer of Goliath. Most of the time on top of his game, but not all the time. A lot of the Psalms are when he was not on top of his game, when he started the Psalm. But when he worked his way through that, he was on the top of his game by the time he got to the end of it. And he said, why art thou disquieted in me? He's talking to his soul. His soul is not quiet. It's noisy. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Would you notice verse 11? It's very similar. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. So sometimes when you're in the downtime, you just have to hang on a little bit. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Would you look at the last phrase of verse 5 again? For the help of his countenance. And look at the last phrase of verse 11. Who is the health of my countenance. The help of his countenance will give health to your countenance. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 21 and verse 29, a wicked man hardeneth his own face. You know, sin has a way of showing up on your face. If Now, you know, young people, they haven't, they may have gotten into sin, but they have not really messed up their face. Uh, with, you know, someone said that when you're first born, you have the face God gave you. And uh, when you are at a certain age, you have the face that you gave yourself. And uh, wickedness will show up in your face. You've seen somebody who was a drunk or somebody who was just a wicked person. Uh, they do not have a sweet smile countenance. And then there are other people that, it's like Moses. When Moses had come down off the mountain, he'd been with God, and his face shone because he'd been in the presence of God. You know, you have been around people that they just had a glow about them, even though they were up in years because of all the years that they had walked with God. Now, David had walked with God. As a matter of fact, in this psalm, he starts off with, I'm like the heart panting after the water brook. And the heart, the deer wants to go to the water brook, and he said, that's the way I am. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Now, someone might say to him, as they did, where is thy God? And there are times when God's people can go through a difficult time. And it seems like nothing is coming out right. And there might be people say, well, I thought you were a Christian. Where is your God? Matter of fact, they asked that question twice. Where is your God? Where is your God? And it, the truth is, it's possible for us to go through some things in our own life, that you say, Lord, I, I really thought you were going to come through for me. Where are you, God? And uh, people do that. Where are you, God? And here, David is telling us that I'm thirsting for the living God. Now, I want you to know God never changes. He's the living God. He is alive. It was one of the famous missionaries of years ago. He said, my whole ministry was predicated on the fact that there is a God, and he is alive. And he means what he says, and he says what he's going to do. 
And uh, we have the proof of that, that he is the living God. Uh, no other people in the world, if, if, if the living God's not your God, then you don't have the true God. And uh, you may have a God that has eyes, but they don't see, ears, but they don't hear, nose, but they don't smell, mouth, but they don't speak. And they may have hands, but they don't do anything, and feet, they don't go anywhere. But our God is living God. And the amazing thing is you don't see him, but he sees you. Now, you must remember this. If you have a God that you made, just remember, it didn't make you. And if you really want to know whether your God is alive or not, then what you do is you go to the graveyard of all of the founders of all the religions, and you do the roll call. For example, Moses, here. Buddha, here. Confucius, here. Muhammad, here. Joseph Smith, here. Jesus, Jesus, he's not there. He is alive. And one guy who switched from a, a, a God that didn't exist to the true God, he said, that, why did you switch? He said, well, it's like this. If you were walking down a road and you came to a crossroads and there was a man standing there who was dead and someone who was dead, alive and someone who's dead, which advice would you take? You take the advice of the one who's alive. And David is saying to us, our God is alive. Now, here is David who has an alive God who one day, now, everybody has downtimes. I don't care who you are, you have downtimes. And uh, thank the Lord for the uptimes. We're not always on the mountain. Sometimes you're in the valley. And uh, when you get in the valley, it makes you appreciate the mountain. And while you're on the mountain, you sort of prepare yourself that when you get into the valley. You know, the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, if he's with us, we need not fear that valley of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. Not only did David have a downtime, but you think about Job. Job had a very good beginning, and he had a very good in ending. But somewhere in the middle, he lost everything he had. You know, one guy said, look, I am, I am trapped somewhere between birth and dying. And we all are. And uh, there's going to be some downtimes and some uptimes between birth and dying. It's like a little boy. He was playing, and he got stung by a bumblebee or a bee, and uh, he ran and he's crying to his mother, Mother, this bee stung me. I hate bees. Why did God make bees? And she said, Son, come inside. And she set him down at the table and she made some toast and she took some honey and she spread the honey on the toast. And he said, Mom, this is great. She said, You, you love honey, don't you? He said, Mom, I love it. She said, Son, the same bee that stings makes honey. He said, Mom, I never even thought about that. And, uh, you know, you go through life, and sometimes it's a stinging experience, and then sometimes it's a sweet experience. And so Job, he found that man born of trouble is a few days, and he had trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. But God brought him through that. How about Elijah? Elijah is the guy who called down fire out of heaven, consumed the wet sacrifice, and uh, then right after that, he had a downtime. Some queen lady said, a woman rather, she said that she was 
she was going to kill him. So he ran for his life, and he's found himself under a juniper tree, and he's wanting to die. Job wanted to die. There are, Joshua said, why didn't you let us stay in the land of Egypt instead of bringing us out here and let all this happen to us? I mean, these are good people, godly people, people that we look up to. People, for the most part, we want to emulate them, that we want them to be our example. And, uh, but Elijah has what we call the Elijah complex. He didn't want to live. He wanted to die. Jonah, after he had the great, I don't know whether it was a revival or resurrection in the city of Nineveh, the whole city from the king down to the least, repented in sackcloth and ashes, just got right with God, and uh, he goes outside, and uh, he's wanting to see what God's going to do to the city. He's hoping God would destroy it. Imagine that. Now, I think the reason that he wanted God to destroy the city of Nineveh was being a prophet. He saw some things in the future. He saw the day when the Assyrians would come against the people of God. And he thought, why is God going to save these people? Why didn't God destroy these people? You know, one of the things that people don't like about God is that God likes people that we don't like sometimes. God will be kind and gracious to people we wouldn't be kind and gracious to. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you think about the people who had a downtime. Maybe I'm talking to someone here today, you're in a downtime. Now, I've been around long enough to know, and your pastor has, when people walk into church, their smiles, they look good. But down in their heart, they're saying, please be careful. Please be fragile with me. I'm about to fall apart. Maybe you've been there about to fall apart, and you want people to be nice and kind to you. And you don't want them to say, well, where's your God now, big boy? Well, you know, God is, he never has moved. It's like this old couple. We're driving down the road, and he's driving, and she's sitting over by the door. And they're driving along up in years. She's over there, he's driving. And a car goes around them, and this gal is sitting right over next to either her boyfriend or her husband. And the lady said, Paul, what's happened to us? I remember back when we used to sit like that. And the old guy, he just kept driving. He said, Ma, I ain't never moved. <laughs> if you are not as close to God right now as you used to be, he has never moved. He is the living God. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. He's the same. By the way, he's never going to stop loving you. Jeremiah told us that he has loved us with an everlasting love. This God who so loved the world, you know, if he loved us when we were in the world, un unconverted, how much more does he love us now? If he withheld not his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? That's in Romans 8. What a, what a great God we have, this living God. But David got into that time, and he's talking to himself. Did you ever talk to yourself? Rush Limbaugh, he said he used to talk to himself because he wanted to have an intelligent conversation. <laughs> uh, that was part of his shtick. You know, he's the guy that tied half his brain behind his back just to make it fair. 
but there is a little flip side in those formerly nicotine-stained fingers. If he'd have stayed off those cigars back in the day, that's forget all that. That, that was probably wasn't fair to Rush Limbaugh. But we're not talking about him. We're talking about David and the living God. And he is saying that when his soul was cast down within him, and it was not, it was not a quiet soul. God says, "Be still and know that I am God." And uh, it's hard to be still when uh, things go wrong in life and your mind is going a thousand miles a minute. And uh, you don't know what to do, which way to turn and so forth. But David said, hope thou in God. You can cope if you have hope. He said, I want you to hope in God. And he said, he is because of the health of thy countenance, because of his face, he's the help of my countenance. There's something about when you go to the house of God especially, but you don't have to just go to the house of God for this to be true. If you go to the house of God, you want to see his face. Now remember, he's the invisible God. So how do you see his face? You see it by faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Now, that's not something that you can't really sink your teeth into. You know, the Bible says every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. You do not have to meet the architect of these buildings here to know that there is an architect. You wouldn't even have to meet the builder of these buildings to know that there is a builder. The buildings are proof that there is an architect God. There is a builder God. And the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. When you look at the universe, it screams God is the maker. He is the creator. He is the living God. And you can have a relationship with this God. I think if you think when you get saved that it's all a primrose path, it's all sunshiny days, I wish it were. But it's not. You know, you live in this world, and this world has been touched by sin. And sin touches all of us. As a matter of fact, David said he was born in sin. And we all are. That's why we need to be born again. Now, that's not going into your mother's womb and being born again or coming out again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He that is born of the flesh is flesh, but he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. How do you get born of the Spirit? And he told, Jesus told that man Nicodemus, when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, it came to pass that whoever looked was healed of that snake bite. And Jesus was using that as an illustration as the, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the next verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know of any living God anywhere that promises us life now? Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant, even in the down times. Even sometimes when you're down, it's still better 
than when you never knew him at all. And so he is saying, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hope in God. You might think, well, it's hoping against hope. No, it's not hope. God is the God of hope. And he's the living God. And you can put your faith in him. You can hope in him. And he said, I went to the house of God. I went to the house of God with the multitude. And he went with joy and he went with prayer. And he's going to the house of God. And even in your downtime, sometimes people, you know, when they're down, they, they want to withdraw from people. It could be a bad thing to do. You want to get around God's people. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's something about when you go to the house of God. Now, remember what I told you a while ago. There are people who come in and you think everybody's okay. But they're not. And you could have a ministry just by putting a kind hand on their shoulder. So good to see you there. And if you prayed for them, tell them. You know, I prayed for you this past week. Spurgeon said to his church, dear church, if you dare get the ear of God this week, mention my name. And if somebody knew that somebody was praying for him, they could sort of hang in there. And when people are saying that, uh, where is, where is your God? Well, he is where he has always been. And you can keep on hoping, keep on attending. And uh, this God, David said, he gives songs in the night. I remember a time in my life when I was going through something. In my mind, it was, it was pretty bad, and I was having a hard time sleeping. And so I just I kept repeating. I didn't get up and sing. It was like a song at night, but it was a psalm. And uh, Psalm 23 is a good one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I went over that a number of times in my head. And that helped me. And the Bible says that he gives songs in the night. You know, he's the God of the day and the God of the night. He's just God. He's the living God. He didn't die at night and resurrect in the morning. He's just God. Uh, he's God all the time. And here is David saying, I'm just going to hope in God. I'm just going to hope in God. Even though people might ask me, where is your God? And there are sometimes you yourself might wonder where God is. But you can always find God in the scriptures. He's the God of the scriptures. And you can always find God when you search for him with all your heart. And you seek him while he yet may be found. And so David is telling us that that's what he's going to do. And he ends up that 43rd Psalm, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Help of thy countenance and the help, health, help. Of my countenance. You want help? Hope in God. You want help? You want health? He's the living God. And he stands ready. Seek him. Talk to him. Ask him to help you. 
Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your grace and goodness, for the mercy of the Lord. And Lord, thou dost know every heart that is here today. Would you touch a heart and whisper into their spirit, in me is hope. In me is health. In me is strength. And may we be able to say like David, the God of my life. And like he said again, the God of my strength. Would you be to your people today everything that they need? In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.